Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, so let's turn our chairs around. Youth, you guys can go and dive into this deeper. Uh, Grab your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah, probably not a passage that you open up a whole lot. (laughs) He's just standing here with Bibles to pass them out. By the way, one of the things change that's coming is uh, you need to bring your Bible every Sunday. Whatever that looks like for you, you need to have your own Bible. It needs to be here because you're going to be using it, not just here, but always. Um, And that's a a change that needs to happen. So I I gave you that question. Hopefully it didn't bring up horrible memories um, because that's a real thing that happens. But I thought about it because it's that as we look in this passage... And we talk about God's plans for us. We, we will be in situations that feel like drowning. And I wanted us to know that feeling, to be able to go back there. Not something that you want to go through. You try to skip through it and move forward. Um, I've had several of them in my life. Either I was involved in near drowning or someone else. But when it's you, there's, there's all these things that go on inside of you. And I remember the f- one of the key times for me, I was, uh, my dad had this, uh, I was going surfing, I was a little kid, and I was actually boogie boarding, and he had a, um, one of those old wetsuits that has like a tail behind it, and so you take the tail and you wrap it up here and you put buttons. My dad, I don't know if he's ever actually even been in the ocean, just because I don't think that's his thing, but he had this old wetsuit in his garage, and so I took it and I went down to the beach, and I was out in the water and I was um, young enough that there were some adults on the beach. I can't remember who they were, but I went out, and I was in the water, and somehow I got thrown over, and the thing unsnapped and then flew over my head. And so I'm in the water, and then that feeling. You know what I'm talking about, right? The feeling where it's like, oh, no, and everything, it felt like 30 minutes, but we all know it didn't go that long. Because I couldn't breathe, and I couldn't get back up. I didn't know which way was up. I didn't know which way was down, and I had this wetsuit wrapped around me, and my immediate thought was like, the adults on the beach, and of course, that idea just flows out. That was my plan A. They're going to come get me. Well, that's not going to happen, because we all know as parents and adults, you're never really watching your kids in the ocean. You're there, and you know you're supposed to be doing it, but you're really not, and so Immediately, I just knew that wasn't an option, and I'm reaching and reaching, and I'm in panic mode, where everything, that, that's the thing that, that, that I think about the most when I'm in the idea of drowning, is you're reaching. Your hands are actually out, and you're trying to do something to fix your situation, and you do all these dumb things, but they're your plans, and that idea of, I can't get out of this situation, what if I die? Now, that's, that's life or death. That's a physical death. 
But the truth is, as we look here at what it means to have God's plan or our plan, what we're grasping at versus what he wants for us, many of us feel like we're drowning right now. And there's all these different situations that pop up where you feel out of breath, you get a little panicky, you start looking around for someone to help you. If you can't grasp onto them, if you can't grasp onto something else, some idea, something that's going to fix this or at least take away that feeling, that fear, that, that terror, what do you do? Maybe it's your finances. Your finances are so bad, you just, you don't know what to do. I know of a person recently just had to declare bankruptcy. And you try to keep it secret because you don't want everybody else to know what's really happening. It's this horrible feeling. It's this terror. What can I do? And some of you may be on the border of it. And you're like, well, I, don't, I don't have an answer. I'm looking around. I'm looking to the beach. I'm looking out here. I don't have an answer. Maybe it's in relationships. Um, in fact, I, I put on my notes one particular person that uh, isn't here today, but um, they're part of my life, and they're going through something where it feels like the walls are tall, and they're bending in, and they weren't braced enough, and they're about to fall. And so all he wants to do is run, and he's looking at two different options, and he doesn't know which one to take, but he knows that feeling of drowning that terror, because he wants to take off. But then there are some of us that we're not feeling that, but we have a plan, and everything's good right now, and all that matters is that it's good. We may not see the bulging walls around us that want to collapse on top of us, because as long as we don't see it, we're all good. Just, I don't want to know the truth because I feel happy at this moment, and things are good, and and. There's people in my life that I see that and I'm like, oh my gosh, you, it, it's, these decisions are going to lead to this because they're your plans, they're not his plans. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at what does it look like to have your plan versus God's plan because God addresses this, not just in one place, but all through this entire Bible, everything that God's word is saying. You're like how I went old school, pulled a big old book, held it out here like this. I'm going to point in it a lot. Everything in the word of God can be summed up in turn to God and be saved. Everything says to turn to him and to be saved. And so the passage we're going to look at here in Isaiah is just another example of God trying to communicate that to us. And then when we turn to him, then he sends us out with the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything that God is calling us to from turning to him comes from that. So uh, if you have your Bibles, and oh, you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah 30. Now, the thing about the translation that I'm going to look at right now, it was really quiet. I didn't hear much movement. If you have a Bible, grab it, pull out your phones. Let's hear really hard pressing on your phones to open up your Bible app or to download the Bible app that you are now going to own forever. But I spent all this time making these really cool slides in, uh, for this, what we're gonna study. And then I just made a right turn this morning. And I wanted to read from this translation. It's called The Voice. So you know the message, right? Eugene Peterson, uh, who's a writer, a poet, has passed away uh, recently. He also knew the word, 
He was a language expert in Hebrew and Greek. And so he took it and wanted to translate it in language we could understand. Well, the voice is made up of, take Eugene Peterson, cut, half of, cut him in half, and there's a bunch of people that are the scholars, the language experts. And then the other side of him that's artistic and a writer, then they have a crew of that. And they all got together and went through it and tried to do another version, and it's called The Voice. And when I read it this morning, again, I thought, this is, this is how I want to communicate it, because I think this is in a language we can understand. So uh, I'm going to start in Isaiah 30. If you're looking up there for stuff, slides, you won't see them. Um, so here we are, Isaiah 30. And God says this, oh, it will be so bad for you, my rebellious children, who enact a plan, but not as I would have you do, who form an alliance contrary to my spirit. You're compounding sin, one bad choice after another. You look to Egypt for security and help without consulting me. You seem to think that Pharaoh is the answer, that Egypt will protect you from harm. And the context of what's happening here is that the, the leaders of Judea have made a decision. They see Assyria, which is the big power at the time, and they're also not real big fans of the people of Israel. And so they see this danger, and you, you, the terror starts to fill them. They're like, what do we do? What do we do? And so they start reaching and grasping and trying to seek. And what they do is, is they reach for this other power, Egypt. Well, if we work out something with Egypt, then Egypt will be on our side and Assyria won't mess with us. That's their plan. They come up with their own plan. And God is saying, what are you doing? You continue to come up with your own plan. Think of the terrors that you've dealt with, the terrors that you're afraid of coming. You come up with your plans, right? You got your plan A, then you gotta come up with your plan B, your plan C, your plan D, E, F, G. Whatever your plans are, we start to come up with a plan. Or... You know someone else that's in a certain situation, and so you have a plan A through G for them. Because we think that we know what we're doing. That's the beginning of wisdom. To have a fear of God, which is not like, I'm afraid of you. It's, God, you know what you're doing. I have no clue. So I'm just going to hand it over to you because, let's be honest here, I don't know what I'm doing. Yet, the people here don't turn to God. They, they go on their own wisdom. And so what they end up doing is making a decision they don't know down the road is going to be bad. Because what ends up happening, and that's why we know that Isaiah is a prophet, because he's saying, don't do this. This is what God's saying. Assyria, they don't even have to worry about. Because Assyria is dying at this point. They don't really realize that. And Egypt, they don't realize it's not going to have any power. And what they should have done was turn to the Lord, because what's coming is this empire, the Babylon Empire, which is going to come and take over. And if they just trusted God and sought him, he knows what's coming. He knows what's happening. But like we as people are supposed to try to do, and especially as leaders, we come up with our plans. And God, in some of your translations, says, why are you choosing a plan that is not my plan? And I want you to hold on to that idea right there. God says, I have a plan for you. My plan. So it's not just, hey, why are, you, why are you doing this? That's a dumb decision. You should consider these options. He goes, no, I have a plan for you. The thing is, we get in these, these crazy situations, and we make horrible decisions, not just in 
the big ones, but sometimes in the small ones. Since we're on this theme of, of the terror of drowning, there's something that happened. So we were taught when I went, to, they used to have this thing called um, advanced life-saving. So if you want to be a lifeguard, you had to take this class. And when I was in that class, the, the instructor, whew, he was rough. Black guy, about this tall, about that wide, and he wore these really tiny red shorts. And all of us young people, look at this guy, so uncool. Because back then you had to have the shorts past your knees because that was cool. And so we're all at the plunge, which was this huge pool in San Diego. It doesn't exist anymore. You know where the little um, Ferris wheel is and the fake surf place down in Pacific Beach? There was a big place called the plunge. The Top Gun. I know some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that, that hurts my heart. But for those old enough to know, they filmed it there. And then they tore it down. So I was in that class, and he was scaring me because he said, I'm going to act like a drowned person. So we'd have to do these, do these exercises with him. And he said, when people are drowning, they don't think. They grasp for anything. When they're fearful, you'll come to help them, and they will climb you. They will jump on top of you thinking, this person will help me up. Like, that makes no sense, right? Somebody's coming to you. They throw the, 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 the um, buoy to you to help you. But if you're dumb enough to not throw the buoy and just try to jump in there, he says, you need to understand, they can't think straight. And they will reach and grasp for plan A, B, C, D, and none of them are going to work, but they'll do it anyway. They'll reach out, and they'll take you down. And he gave us two options. One of them was, uh, <laughs> he said, you just go down. You just go under. When they start to jump on top of you, if you were foolish enough to get that close, just go underwater because they're not going to follow you. So you go under and then you can come back and try something else. And he says, but if they get you in a grasp and you can't get out of it, you're both going to die. And this was his advice to us. Punch them in the face as hard as you can. Now, I'm pretty sure they're not training that way nowadays. I asked my son who just went through that training. I go, are they telling you that? No, we never discussed that. Okay, don't do it then. But it was that idea that they're, they're so out of it, if you could just punch them in the face, it'll just wake them up. Well, they ditched that because it doesn't really work, but that's what he taught us to do. And the idea is, is that when you're drowning, you just don't, you're not thinking straight. In fact, my, my son, who's a lifeguard now, went out to go save these two people, and they were on boogie boards, and the, the current had taken them out. And they were panicking because they couldn't get back in. And so as he's swimming out to them, they're holding on the boogie boards, they threw them away. <laughs> I know. I was like, no, no. I was thinking, come on, you're not being serious. He goes, no. He goes, and that happens all the time. They train us in that. I go, why would they? Because I'm, you know, using my rational side. Why in the world would they throw them away? Because they think they'll be able to get inside easier. Well, if you're panicked, that means you know you can't swim. You know you can't do this. So you should stay on the one thing that can hold you up. But we make these foolish decisions. We enact a plan but not as I would have you do. You form an alliance contrary to my spirit, compounding sin, one bad choice after another. We need to surrender and trust our plans to him. There's so much good stuff in here, Isaiah, but I want to jump forward to verse 10. They say to those gifted with discernment, so the people that are in this crazy situation, the people and the leaders, they want to turn 
to the priests, the prophets, those with discernment. And they want to hear good things. Don't tell me the bad, just tell me the good. They say to those gifted with discernment and insight, stop with your visions. We've had enough of them. They say to the prophets, tell us only what we'd like to hear. Save your truth-telling pessimism for someone else. We want to hear flattery. And for goodness sake, stop talking about the Holy One of Israel, about God. Get out of the gloomy rut you're in. This is what God is now saying. Your message is a bit stale. Take a different path. We know, that sounds crazy, just like throwing away the boogie boards. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, wouldn't you want to hear the truth? When it's uncomfortable, no. Like, I just, let's put it off as long as we can. Like, I hate going, the, the mechanic we go to now, they give me a full list of, these are the things that are probably going to go wrong in the next year and a half, two years, five years. You might want to do, I'm like, I don't want to hear that now. You just hit me with like $2,000. I don't want to have a, a bigger list. But don't you want to know what's coming? I mean, do you really want to go to a doctor that says, hey, that's probably not that big of a deal? Like, you want to go to the dermatologist that burns and cuts anything they see. That's what you want. Oh, their bedside manner, they are such jerks. Are they telling the truth? That's what you want, right? But yet in life, you're like, ah, uh, you know what? Let's just focus on the good. I just want the good. No, you should want the true. And sometimes the true is not what you want to hear. But that's what we should be hungering for. And so what do you do with that? Well, let's drop down to verse 15. Listen. The Lord, the eternal, the Holy One of Israel says this. In returning and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust, you will find strength. This passage has shaped me ever since I was in my early 20s. I had maybe read it before. I wasn't, I was a new believer. I was trying to read the Bible, but I mean, this thing's big, you know? And it gets boring at times. And so I don't know if I ever made it to this, and if I did, it was one of those readings where you just read right over it. But I paused and looked at it, and if you wrestle with this, this is what it means to be rescued. In returning. Some of your Bibles will say in repentance. Repentance, as we've talked about so many times here at Branch, is not feeling bad or feeling sorry about something you did. Repentance means to return, to turn to God and say, you know what? Your plan. The word repentance in the Greek actually means change your mind. Change it so that you're being transformed by what he sees. As it says in Romans 12. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. To be transformed is what it means to repent. Because when it changes in your mind, then it changes in your life. And rest. That doesn't mean, yeah, rest doesn't mean take a nap. And it doesn't mean just, well, whatever. Because let's face it, when you're anxious, you can't just, people tell you, oh, just get over it. By the way, that never works. So just remove that phrase and your counsel to others. Just get, that's never going to be helpful. What rest means, means to lean into God, to just lean into him. When you reach that point where you're like, okay, I could run around, but I'm going to rest in you. In quietness and trust, 
you will find strength. When you are quiet, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, you can now hear. You can now listen to seek God and his plan. I have a, a good friend that I was with. Um, so one of our brothers got married last Sunday, which is why I couldn't be here, because it was a sudden one. Not really sudden. It's been going on for two years, but they finally decided, okay, this needs to happen. And so I needed to be there because he did it such short notice that only a couple of us could make it. And so we went down to his wedding, and my buddy that went with me, we, they're wrestling with their oldest daughter, whether she should go to a public school or whether they should homeschool her still. And they're very smart. They're brilliant people. But more than being smart, they're wise. They've made so many mistakes in life using that brilliance that they decided to fast and to pray because their daughter's like, I want to go to a public school. I want to go to public school. And I think selfishly, because she's homeschooling right now, she's like, I would really like you to go to public school. I'd really like not to be in these fights all the time. I'd like that because you want that. I want that for you. But you know what? It doesn't matter what we want. Let's seek the Lord. And so they prayed, really prayed, not just talked about praying, not just said, hey, I'm going to pray, but prayed, and they fasted. They went without meals for a period of time to say, Lord, what do you want? I want to rest in you, in quietness. I want to trust you. I'm returning to you. What do you want for our daughter? And so they were able with full confidence because they heard the same thing. They came back and they said, Leighton, we feel confident that God is saying we need to continue in this path, not yet. She didn't want to hear that. They actually didn't want to hear that. But maturity is doing the right thing even when you don't feel it. And so they sought him. And I was, rest, I was with an elder, and I'm going to share more about this story uh, next week. But we were talking about what this looks like, talking about what it looks like to trust God, to, to turn to him. And it reaches this point. The reason that you usually have most uh, elders old is because they've made enough mistakes in life that they realize, okay, we got to trust the Lord. And so um, when he was telling me the story, I thought about that moment for me when I just realized I keep fighting. I got my plan A, B, C, D, E, and F. I got it all figured out, but I have no idea what I'm doing. And this particular thing had to do with dating. I've been dating this one girl for a period of time. I was, people go, oh, you're so wise. You're so smart. Yeah, super brilliant as a 22-year-old. But I thought that about myself. I mean, what 22-year-old doesn't, right? I got this figured out. I know what I'm doing. Who are these old people? And I finally realized when this relationship ended, I said, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no clue. I have tried. I have grasped. I have reached. So, Lord, I just give up. Maybe you don't have it for me to get married. I reach that point because sometimes you're grasping for something that is horrible for you. That is not what God has for you. Let not my will but yours be done. And so I was just this complete surrender. And the same thing that the elder said, when you reach that point, when you realize all of your plans, everything you put together doesn't work, and he said it so beautifully. He said, once you reach that place at the end of yourself, when you've done all your plans and they don't work, that's when it gets good. Because then you can trust God, and he's going to do something maybe you don't want, 
maybe you don't like, but it's what's best. And so in my case, it was something I wanted, but I could have never done it on my own. And so I thought, okay, I'm not getting married. I'm just going to go out in the mission field. This is the way it's going to look. I'm just going to go do this. I'm not really excited about that. But God, I know I don't know what I'm doing. I've drowned enough times and come to the beach gasping for air that I'm just going to turn to you and trust that what your plan is is better than my plan. Even if it's not the plan, I would choose my trust, my hope is in you. In repentance and rest, in quietness and in trust, I'm leaning into you. And I, I tell this to my kids, I tell it to anyone that asks, I didn't choose Steph. God's plan was that. I'm not that smart. I had no idea what was coming. Just like the people of Israel. Well, if we do this and we do that, they had no idea the changes that would happen. But God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your family. So many of us have plans for our kids. Well, they need to get this, and if they don't do this sport, and if they don't do this school, and they don't get to that school, and they don't get this job. Hey, let go of those plans. Where do those plans come from? Most likely from the world. Most likely from our fears, our terror, that they won't make it or that they won't get the best. Our prayer should be to surrender them into the Lord's hands and let his plan be there for even that which matters to us most because he knows what he's doing. And so we go on here into verse 18. Oh man, I love verse 18. Meanwhile, the eternal one yearns to give you grace and boundless compassion. That's why he waits. Waits? Why did, God's waiting for what? For us. He's waiting for us to turn to him. For the eternal is a God of justice. Those inclined toward him, waiting for his help, they will find happiness. He's waiting for us to turn to him because he wants to pour out all this grace and this boundless compassion. So I've shared this story a few times, mainly um, at weddings, and I haven't shared it a long, for a long time, but it's, it's, as I was wrestling with this passage, this is a picture that comes to my mind of what this can look like for us. Like, how do you live this out? And it was with my oldest son, and when they're like, you know, three or four, you're always holding their hands. You can always, and they love it, you love it, you try to soak up as much as you can. You get to hug them all the time, you get to kiss them all the time, and you better soak it up during those days. Because just like us, they become restless and they want to go and explore. Well, it just doesn't wait till they get older, it starts even then. They want to see the world around them, they want to test it out for themselves. And so there was this habit this ritual, it was just part of our relationship where we would always hold hands. And um, because of our family and mainly because of my wife, we're always at the beach. And our beach was Riviera. That's where we spent most of our time. And we were there one morning and we were holding hands and we were walking down the beach and the waves were really pretty small. I mean, they were like, you know, right below the knee or so, maybe up to the knee at the sets. And we're walking and he just takes off on his own. Kids always seem to do that, especially the oldest. And so he would just take off. 
and I'd watch him, and I'd want to all the time, like, hover around him, but you can't do that. They've got to figure it out for themselves what the world looks like. And not only that, but sometimes they get not, need to get knocked around to learn, like, oh, okay, just like I did in relationships and finances and jobs. And, and so he's running towards the ocean, and he doesn't even know what this big blue thing is. He's just too young. But he, he's, he's learning to walk, so it's not really three. Let's be honest here. We're talking more between, like, one and two. Our kids took a while to do the walking thing. So right after he was able to walk, he's walking. He's doing that pigeon-toes thing where he's kind of moving, but he kind of, like, he can't. The sand is throwing the whole thing off as well. And so he's doing this kind of tumbling thing towards the ocean. And then one of the sets come. Now, to me, you know, but to him, it felt like the walls, the whole big blue was just going to fall on top of him. And so as he's running, he reaches this point where he's smart enough to realize, okay, I can't keep going because that thing's coming. But the pace of that is moving so fast, he didn't know what to do. And so he just paralyzed, and he did what he had developed the habit of doing, a ritual. He just threw his hand up. Now, of course, with my amazing speed and awareness, <laughs> I was right there because I'm always right there. The Father is always right there. And he just put his hand up because he knew that I would be there. He was resting into me. We have to reach that point where we make the decision like, okay, God, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't want my plan. I want yours. It scares me to death. But I'm going to trust you. And so he put his hand up. And of course, as any good father would do, I was there to grasp him and to pull him up. We as a people, and we're going to get more into this in a couple weeks on August 11th, we need to turn to him and get in that daily habit of lifting our hands, saying, Lord, where are you? Because where you're at is where I want to be. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to take communion together. And I like what Jesus said, and I want us to think about this as we're taking communion. Jesus said, do this, this act of communion that we're going to do. We're going to do this in remembrance of him. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And just like God is calling the people of Judea to do here in Isaiah, turn to me. Remember me. Turn back to me as I wanted my son to do. As he wanted me to do as I was trying to make these decisions in terms of relationships and in my future. He says, turn to me. Remember me. So when you're ready in the next two songs, um, you're going to go to the station, and it's just you. <laughs> and the bread is his body, which was broken for you. And you're going to take that and dip that in to the drink. And that is his blood which was shed for you. And at any time during those next two songs, when you're ready, do that in remembrance of him. So let me pray for us, and the worship team is going to guide us. Father God, as best we know how, we want to surrender to you. As a people, show us how to encourage one another, to support each other. Not with our plans but with yours.
May we seek you, turn to you. And returning and rest is what we want to do, Father. Show us how to do that. In quietness, listening for you and entrusting and leaning on you is our salvation. We ask for this guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're able, if you could stand, and then whenever you're ready, take communion. Please do so. Amen. Um, That was such a great reminder um, for me, uh, just the fact that just I need that reminder all the time. (laughs) I'm not in control, and I shouldn't even want to be, um, and I'm so thankful for that reminder. Um, I'm going to pray, and then uh, if you guys are willing to help uh, pick up some stuff in the back with the kids, thank you. Oh, and get your kids, too. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Um, Thank you for your grace and your patience and your willingness to chase us and to um, want the best for us. And we are so grateful for your guiding hand, and I pray that we would hear you, um, that we look to you and hear you uh, and seek your presence this week. In your sweet name, amen.
Amen. Um, that was such a great reminder um, for me. Uh, just the fact that just I need that reminder all the time. <laughs> I'm not in control and I shouldn't even want to be. Um, and I'm so thankful for that reminder. Um, I'm going to pray, and then uh, if you guys are willing to help uh, pick up some stuff in the back with the kids, thank you. Oh, and get your kids, too. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Um, Thank you for your grace and your patience and your willingness to chase us and to um, want the best for us. And we are so grateful for your guiding hand, and I pray that we would hear you. Um, that we look to you and hear you uh, and seek your presence this week. In your sweet name, amen. Shuns a sister in their dream. Oh.